is a special presentation of World Footprints, the leader in socially responsible travel and lifestyle, with your award-winning hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, coming to you live from the city of New Orleans and the French Quarter Festival. And now, here are Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Everybody let the good times roll and join us for our sixth annual French Quarter Festival broadcast. As you can hear, we're live from New Orleans. Thank you so much for tuning into World Footprints, the leading voice in socially responsible travel and lifestyle. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick, and along with my husband, Ian, we're back in our home away from home, the place that never sleeps, New Orleans. If you've heard it once, you've heard it a thousand times, and you'll hear it a thousand times more. We love this city, period. Indeed, dear, and we're so happy to be back in our adopted home. New Orleans is a place that never needs an excuse to celebrate, and the city has had a lot to celebrate in 2013. This year, the French Quarter Festival is celebrating its 30th anniversary, and New Orleans is just coming off a fantastic Super Bowl. Thank you so much for giving my Baltimore Ravens their second world championship, (laughs) you know, and... uh, We're uh, happy to help. Thank you so much, Sandy. And uh, a wonderful NCAA Women's Championship. We're going to find out what's next for the Crescent City as we uh, talk to our good friend Kelly Schultz from the New Orleans Convention and Visitors Bureau. Kelly, thank you so much for being with us once again. Can you believe it? It's six years running now. Six years. Welcome back. Happy French Quarter Fest. Thank you. And, you know, we've covered 20% of all the French Quarter shows. I had I did the calculations the other That's night. That's right. It's the French Quarter Fest 30th anniversary. <laughs> 30th anniversary. And if you guys uh, love the arts, you'll love today's show because we'll be talking with award-winning writers, actors, and artists throughout the broadcast. We promise that today's show will inspire a visit to this great city. So grab your Go Cup, sit back, and enjoy as we bring the festival to you. Again, I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick, and this is World Footprints. Visit and connect with us at worldfootprints.com. By now, everyone knows our good friend, Vice President, our good friend Kelly Schultz, and uh, newest advisory board member for World Footprints. Uh, but every uh, her daily job is um, Vice President of Communications at the New Orleans Convention and Visitors Bureau. And either you've heard Kelly on all of our, many of our shows, uh, or you've seen all the national press you've gotten this year. Um, but uh, Kelly, honestly, thank you so much for having us back. And what a year you've had. And we're only four months in. You know, New Orleans is having an amazing year. I mean, just 2013 alone. I mean, here we are at beautiful French Quarter Fest. We are just coming off a very successful NCAA Women's Final Four. And the highlight so far of this year has been Super Bowl and Mardi Gras, which happened, by the way, over the same two-week period. (laughs) So we have nicknamed it Super Gras. And what other city in America could pull off a Mardi Gras? Indeed. And pull off a Super Bowl, let alone at the same time. And New Orleans did it in a spectacular fashion. And every single person that was here from Baltimore from San Francisco, everywhere in the world that they came from. We credentialed 5,000 journalists for Super Bowl this year, which was, I think, a record. Oh, They (laughs) said the nicest things about New Orleans. They said, we love it here. Mm -hmm. It's so walkable. The people are so nice. 
we want Super Bowl to be in New Orleans every year. It so was how, a huge success. So how are you guys going to top that? I mean, going forward, you, you just came off the Women's NCAA Championship. I mean, we have French Quarter Festival. I'm sure there's record numbers of visitors here, but how are you going to top it going Well, you forward? know, and, and we just got our visitor numbers from last year for 2012, and that was record-breaking. We welcomed 9 million visitors last year who spent $6 billion, which is the most visitor spending we've ever had. Hmm. And I'll tell you, we haven't seen 9 million visitors really ever. I mean, that was a kind of a pre-Katrina number, but we haven't been anywhere close to those numbers. So overall, the city is doing great. And, mm-hmm. and Tanya and Ian, let me just show you some of the festivals that are coming up. This is just in the next two months. Hmm. Jazz Fest. New Orleans Wine and Food Experience, the Greek Festival, the Oyster Festival, Tomato Festival, Louisiana Cajun Zydeco Festival, Essence Music Fest, and Tales of the Cocktail. Holy cow. That is just happening between now and July in this great city. So it is an amazing time. And then also your favorite, FestiGals, which is a new (laughs) conference of girls getaway weekend in New Orleans, which is also happening in June. (laughs) Well, you know, another thing I'm really excited about are our new broadcast digs here. I mean, I feel like we've moved up a little bit in the world, and we're joined by uh, Sandy McNamara, who is with the uh, Dickie Brennan uh, restaurant group. And um, Sandy, I want to Tell, tell us a little bit about our, our new broadcast digs at Tableau. I will. I will. Well, first of all, I have to say thank you to Kelly Schultz. She and her team over at the CVB, they work tremendously hard to actually bring those big numbers of visitors here. But our job at the restaurant group is actually to make sure every single one of those visitors comes away with the particular New Orleans experience, and they feel special, and they want to come back. And so Dickie Brennan has three restaurants currently. He has mm-hmm. Palace Cafe, Dickie Brennan Steakhouse, and he has the Bourbon House. And we are on the cusp of opening Tableau. So we'll be opening in a couple of weeks, and it is on Jackson Square, and um, right next to the Cabildo. It is um, beautiful. We have a wraparound gallery outside, which can seat 60 people, and have a beautiful sunset. It's wonderful. And so we're upstairs on the second floor. Uh, The restaurant will open soon, and we're actually, it's interesting, Chef Ben is going to be... um, taking the classic New Orleans dishes and kind of making them his own little interpretation. Um, mm. You know, it's very creative. Um, it's going to be wonderful. And all of Dickie's restaurants have a glass into the kitchen, and this one's actually going to be a pure open kitchen. So Ooh, entertainment my. galore. Excellent. And, you know, thank you. we have a great view of uh, French Quarter here at, at Jackson Square. So you thank do. you so much for, for hosting us thank here this you. year. So, you know, Kelly, New Orleans has has been in the news a lot lately. Um, most coverage has been complimentary, you know, based on the successes of, of the city. Um, and I've talked to so many people, and really the only way to experience the city is to come here and, you know, and see it for, uh, for yourself. You, there, there's many first-time visitors, including our mothers, who, you know, <laughs> continue to come back. Um, friends who have traveled with us, and, and we have a couple here that we'll, we'll be introducing uh, in a moment. But, you know, really the only way to experience this city is to, is to visit it on your own, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. You know, and, and I was just telling your friends who are here for the first time that I'm so jealous of them because I'm from New Orleans. I was born and raised here, so I don't know what it's like to experience New Orleans as a visitor for the first time. But you're right. The only way to really, truly get New Orleans is to come and visit. And once you do, people absolutely fall in love with the city. They're hooked. 
I love being able to promote New Orleans for a living because I get to go around the world and, and people always come up to me and say, mm. you know, oh, I, I had the best meal of my life in New Orleans <laughs> or I got married there or, you know, I just went to a convention there, but we stayed for a couple of days and it was so much fun. So, you know, it really is a place that you have to experience for yourself. Mm-hmm. The people who are here are so unique, so special. They are so proud of their city. We love to show it off. It's not, you know, someone said to me, it's not just hospitality because they're right. working for a tip. It right. is true it's New genuine, Orleans as genuine hospitality. And that is what everyone feels when they come here. And, you know, we, are, like I mentioned, our moms come here every year. We certainly wouldn't. Um, have our moms come to a place that we felt was unsafe and you know and return over again and these two ladies go off on their own sometimes I want to put a child leash on them because you know they get lost in in, in the fun they um, don't get lost well, <laughs> they're exploring yeah but well speaking of moms my mom in particular was heartbroken that she couldn't be with us this year so we're bringing a little bit of the festival uh, to, to her over the phone I think she's joining us on on the phone line are you there mom Yes. Say hello to Kelly. We Hi, miss you. Kelly. Hi, I wish you were here. It's not the same oh, without you. Uh, I really miss not being there this year. Oh, well, maybe next year. But, Ma- yeah. Mom, what, what was... Hopefully I'll be able to come uh, the end of June. For Festigals. Oh, wonderful. That's right. Festigals. You are a true Festigal. Yeah. You're going to love it. Mom. Oh, yes. Mom, what was your what? What? Why do you love New Orleans? In your own words, why do you love New Orleans? Uh, the people, uh, the food. I, I just feel really uh, relaxed there. Mm-hmm. Well, we I know. I feel comfortable. You know, I'm not uh, afraid to, to venture out there. Yeah, I know. I know you're not. We were just talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you and my mother-in-law have uh, way too much fun when you when you get here. But uh, you can never yeah, have do. enough fun here. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning. So, well, Mom, we we miss you. We wish you were here. And um, but you know, certainly next year we'll start planning for next year as well as June. Okay. All right. Love you. See you soon. Love, love you too. Bye, Kelly. <laughs> Bye, and Nancy. Ed. Great to hear from you. <laughs> You know, before mom came, some of her friends actually warned her about traveling here. And she's so she's gone back to Michigan and, you know, put everyone straight and set everyone straight about uh, about the city. And, you know, again, it's just naysayers who too recently who I won't mention. Uh, you know, people hear a lot, but the only way to experience is is, is to come here. And we have actually, we're joined by um, a couple of my friends. One in particular was my travel partner before I met Ian, <laughs> uh, Chad Kirkman, the Honorable Chad Kirkman, I may, may add, and uh, his friend uh, Jerry Krieger from Wisconsin, who have come to New Orleans for the first time, specifically to, to hang out with us, but, you know, to, to have a good time here. So, Chad, Jerry, Welcome. Thank you. Well, thank you for very having much. us on your show. Yeah, my pleasure. So, Chaz, I'll start with you. What was your impression before you came to New Orleans, and has that changed? I, no, I don't think uh, my impression has changed. Um, I, what I expected was to have uh, a lot of music, a lot of food. Mm-hmm. I expected to eat a lot and perhaps drink some as well. Um, I expected the people to be super nice, and, and they are, of course. And I'm not disappointed at all. I'm so glad I made the trip. This is my first time in New Orleans, and it's been so relaxing. It's been so nice to get away from work 
you mentioned that I'm the Honorable Judge Kirkman, and so uh, I, I make a lot of decisions when, when I'm at work, and uh, I, it's nice to come here and just relax and mm-hmm. not make any decisions except which restaurant to, uh, to go to. <laughs> but that is a big decision because there's so much great food here. And And um, the French Quarter Festival has made it much easier because we can just go to one place, and each restaurant will have a, a little tent where they serve their best food. Mm. And you can, so all the food is just in one location, and we've really enjoyed that. I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. Now, Jerry, this is your first time to New Orleans, as I understand, but there are a lot of parallels between New Orleans and Milwaukee, your hometown, much a strong focus on local culture, local brands, and that's one of the things about New Orleans. What what have been your first impressions that have stood out? Well, you're right. Milwaukee is known for its festivals as well, but we don't have great jazz music like you have down here. And also the, the attitude and, and the friendliness of the local people here is as advertised. Um, I know I, I was out talking with uh, a bartender my first night here, and... Uh, they recommended it. You know, they asked me what I was looking for, and then they recommended that I go to Frenchman Street, which I thought was kind of unusual for someone who was working here to ask me what I was looking for and then recommend go someplace else where it might be better. So I thought that was just a great example of, of people in New Orleans that just want to make sure that you have a good time here. Now, Chad, since you've had this New Orleans experience, are you planning to come back, and how? And when will that be? Of course I'll come back. <laughs> I'd love to come back in a couple of weeks for the Jazz Festival, but that may not happen. Maybe next year, and I can go to the Jazz Festival. Uh, another difference between Milwaukee and, and New Orleans that I've noticed is, is the weather, of course. We have great festivals in Milwaukee, but uh, the festival season is very short, whereas here in New Orleans... Pretty much all year round, there's festivals at Mardi Gras, of course, and um, we we our, our Mardi Gras festival or, or parade in Milwaukee is is very cold, right. and so it's nice for us to come here and get some sun and some nice weather. Yes, you out there in Radio Land can't see it, but my face is bright red right now. So, <laughs> pack sunscreen. There's proven benefits. Uh, the weather here has been fantastic. You want to spend a lot of time outside, so yes, bring sunscreen. <laughs> I have some in my purse for you guys. Thank so, you. Thank you. Thank you so much for for joining us and you know for traveling here. It was lovely to see you, Jerry. It's lovely to meet you, and um, certainly I know our paths will cross again in Nola. Thank, thank you, you very much. Appreciate our pleasure. It. So, Cal, you know. We talk, we say so much about the city, but one of the things that I, I do love about this place uh, as well is that there's a lot of focus on startups and, you know, fostering relationships for entrepreneurs and, and, and what have you. Talk about some of those initiatives that are helping to springboard the entrepreneur into career success. Yeah, you know, most people associate New Orleans with fun and, and tourism and good times and Mardi Gras, but, you know, we have a very thriving business community mm-hmm. here in New Orleans right now. Um, if you were to drive around the city of New Orleans and see our biomedical corridor, which is going up, there are cranes all over the sky. Um, if you look at the entrepreneurs, young people are choosing to come to New Orleans and open their businesses here, live here, enjoy the wonderful quality of life that we have in New Orleans, but also take advantage of just, you know, it's a lot less expensive to start a business here than it is in maybe some other larger cities across the country. So it is just absolutely thriving, you know, in addition to 
festival season that's going on right now, we um, also are in entrepreneur season. So we just had an event called Entrepreneur Week where um, about 42 New Orleans-based startup companies came in for a competition. Mm -hmm. And there were venture capitalists here. There were people from Google here. And they had a competition to see which local startup could be um, you know, funded as part of this competition. So, so the business community has really changed over the past seven or eight years. It's absolutely thriving, and you know that's good for tourism. It's good for residents. It's just overall a very, very positive thing that's happening. And here. Uh, Kelly, that really is a sea change in how things have been done in New Orleans historically. Because to be at a place where now the uh, creative class, so to speak, mm-hmm. is flocking to New Orleans, as Richard Florida likes to talk about, because you have such an authentic city, this just uh, just exudes and feels like an authentic place, and it just helps to bring out that creativity and that innovation that we need to make New Orleans the great comeback story that it is, and to help turn things around here in our country with these wonderful startups. Absolutely. Well said. Speaking of which, you know, we uh, there's also a lot of uh, um, there's also a lot of uh, nonprofit, you know, philanthropic uh, organizations going up, and um, we have a, a, a wonderful guest who's just starting such um, that we'll introduce quickly after the break. China like never before with World Footprints. Introducing Footprints in China, the newest World Footprints Discovery Tour. China is a place that everyone is talking about. It's a country where the history of the world's oldest continuous civilization collides with modern society. China boasts some of the most magnificent wonders on Earth, but is so much more than the sum of its parts. Footprints in China was designed by World Footprints to offer an authentic and experiential travel opportunity. Book your Footprints in China tour today and leave positive footprints by helping to support the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Book before May 1st and save $250. This trip is limited to 24 travelers. Visit worldfootprints.com or call 800-556-7896 for more information. Experience China like never before. Call 800-556-7896 today. My folks came to New Orleans looking for traditional New Orleans jazz and were surprised when they got here in the early 60s that there wasn't a dedicated venue where you could go here on a regular basis. Uh, These great musicians perform, people like Sweet Emma Barrett and William Percy Humphrey, Punch Miller, George Lewis, dozens and dozens of people that, whose records they had been listening to when they were growing up and came to New Orleans and found this, a, a very small scene of, of jazz enthusiasts and they started holding these jam sessions at a venue right up the street from where we're talking now and out of those jam sessions grew Preservation Hall. You're listening to World Footprints, exclusive coverage of this year's French Quarter Festival live from the Big Easy New Orleans, Louisiana. Let's welcome back your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. 
And welcome back to World Footprints as we come to you from Tableau, Dickie Brennan's Tableau, still under construction here in the French Quarter. And we are so happy to have right now one of America's top actors. He's also a musician. He is doing a lot of wonderful things here in New Orleans on the educational scene. And we were happy to have him on our pre-FQF broadcast last night, Terrence Rosemore of the HBO show Treme. Terrence, welcome to World Footprints. Thank you very much for having me. We are so happy to have you, and it's great to meet you in the flesh here. As we were talking in that last segment, uh, New Orleans really has become a turnaround story for entrepreneurs, and you're actually doing a lot to really help the young people of New Orleans tap into that entertainment industry. Talk to us about what you're involved with here in New Orleans. Absolutely. I'm the uh, co-founder of the Film Art Vocational Initiative, uh, with, along with uh, visual artist Jamar Pierre. And we go to different sites, and we run uh, summer programs, and then we also work after school with another organization called Young Audiences. So uh, I, I, I've been, I'd like to think I've been doing this since I've been in education, since the early 80s, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> since the early 90s, when um, I was uh, teaching kids. I, I, was, I was hired to be an, uh, an acting coach, but uh, I wanted to let them know about all of the opportunities in the entertainment industry behind the scenes. Terrence, you have, I'm just sitting here listening to your voice, and you have a beautiful face for TV, but oh my goodness, you have a great <laughs> voice for radio. <laughs> I'm just much. saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> so I know um, Treme has, has wrapped. Um, is there talk of bringing it back? Any sequels? And Not that I've heard of. Mm. Um, I, I think what happens once, especially with a TV show, it's like a family. Mm-hmm. And uh, once they ended everybody kind of goes off into other projects and stuff and so (laughs) but but when we last talked you were doing a new film here in new orleans too can you tell us any more about that now or am i you know it's we'll we'll keep it confidential you know attorney's client confidential it's uh (laughs) it's an uh, it's still untitled okay (laughs) the name is still secret it's an untitled james wan uh james wan is a guy who created the saw series and um, which which is a, a series of horror films. This is more of a thriller. Um, I'm also in the process of filming another HBO series, which is also kind of cloaked in, uh, <laughs> you know, oh, <laughs> uh, in secrecy. Exactly. Uh, okay. It's it's an untitled um, film, uh, a series starring Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. and uh, Woody Harrelson. Okay. And um, it's based on a couple of uh, serial killings that had taken place in the I think uh, the early 90s the late mm-hmm. 80s through through the uh, the late 90s and then I'm set to shoot another movie I think in about three weeks with Kevin Costner called The Game Stands Tall oh will it be shot here uh, I think it'll be shot in New Orleans and maybe in some of the rural areas okay. it's uh, directed by Thomas Carter who also did uh, Coach Carter mm-hmm. and was also an actor on uh, The White Shadow okay yeah. wow I mean there's a lot of great programs you know your program and, and Kelly you know another program and I, I don't know if you've heard of this program Terrence um, you know People talk about New Orleans, the music, the art, the food. The food is, is <laughs> for in my world, the food is, is you know. Oh, trust primary. me, I've, I've gained 10 pounds since I got back from LA. <laughs> the obligatory but, 10 pounds. 
<laughs> but there, there's a great culinary program that has been going on that helps at-risk um, people called, you know, Cafe Reconcile. There's mm-hmm. uh, Cafe Hope and the Liberty Cafe. What What do you know about What do you know about those those programs, Kelly? What can you tell us about well, these programs? Well, you know, first of all, people in the hospitality in New Orleans. I mean, sometimes if you go to other cities and you find people who are serving tables in a restaurant, they're doing that temporarily until they find something better. In New Orleans, it is a profession, a very honorable profession, mm-hmm. and um, people take it very seriously. And programs like Cafe Reconcile are really amazing because they take young people from around the community, at you know, in, from poor neighborhoods, disadvantaged backgrounds in whatever way, and it is a skills and job training program to help young people learn skills that they need to have a career in the hospitality industry, particularly in food services. So many of the um, restaurants that you go to now in New Orleans may have a chef or someone there who was a, a product of the Cafe Reconcile program. Mm. And it's just, it's an amazing program. They've had years and years of success. And uh, it's just one of those great stories. And, and like Terrence, to show that, you know, going with the youth of our community and making sure that our traditions are not lost from one generation to another and that our culture and our art and our music and our food, which is so vital to who we are as mm-hmm. New Orleanians, that that continues with the next generation and the next. Mm-hmm. And Terrence is certainly part of that mantle of passing it on to the next generation. You grew up here, but you have an interesting story because you were born in Montana, and so you spent some of your life in Montana, and then you came here. And so this really is your home, but you're a gumbo like all of us here. We've been all over, and, you know, people trying to figure out where are you from and and, and so forth. But you've had a really interesting story, too. I've been blessed. Um, I, I think I had shared with you guys when I was younger. We uh, had, had relatives that live in um, in uh, Baltimore. Okay. I almost drowned in Baltimore one summer. Oh, oh my kid. goodness! Congratulations on the Super Bowl. Also. Thank you, thank you. And, and so every every summer we would um, get in our our little camper, and we drive up the East Coast, and then we had uh, relatives in Oklahoma and other places. So we every summer as a little kid in New Orleans, I would drive all over the country. With my family, so that broadened my scope, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sorry. No, I was gonna, but but what about New Orleans? Because you you for a while were going back and forth between L.A. and New Orleans, but your your acting career seems like it's really blossomed here. It, it really has, which it, is interesting, you know. Right, absolutely. I, when I was in L.A., I didn't pursue acting; I was writing and producing. I'd worked for the Dr. Phil show. I'd worked for the doctors. I'd, you know, I was doing a, a lot of different things behind the scenes, producing, show running pilots, none, none of which got picked up. Um, but I, I miss my family. And most importantly, I read, I read NOLA.com when I was in L.A. every day. Mm-hmm. And I saw what was going on in the community. And there's a saying that you can, if you're not a part of the solution, you're a part of the problem. And so uh, I, I did come back to act, but I also wanted to really come back. And I, I had friends saying, man, we need you. We need you. And I was like, what do you mean you need me? You know, what can I do? But once I got here, and then I saw other people, professionals who had moved away for college, we all had a sense of pride wanting to come back and help bring the city to the full potential of what it really could be. Was this post-Katrina you came back? Yes, yes. And I'd been back, and you know, I I think at one point I'd spent six months out the year in New Orleans working on movies. Mm. And I was like, you know, at a certain point I just got to 
get an apartment here because I'm here so much. You know, when we, uh, again, when we've been talking to people, you know, Mary Madeline, James Carville, well, James is from here, so, uh, but, you know, there's something about New Orleans that just really... It embeds itself in your soul. <laughs> it gets under your skin. You're it right. does. It does. And you know. And again, you you won't know what we're talking about until until you you get Come here. In, right. But um, Mary Madeline, I think, best described it for me is she said it's a it's a spiritual experience. There's a lot of, you know, there's there's just a lot of good energy here. The 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 churches here are really committed um, to the to the community. I mean, there's just a lot of commitment not only from the church community but um, people who have lived here before people who are traveling uh, you know or moving here um, from bigger cities uh, you know like DC you know the political jungle I call it um, but just you know to, to create a, a new life and it's a life that um, you know is is a wonderful place for to raise teenagers you know your family and and people are experiencing that and you don't hear these stories anywhere other than world footprints okay shameless plug but um well i'm still waiting for you guys to get a second home down here that's long overdue and and thank you guys for what you're doing to help promote the city and put, put the word out in the world who we are what we're doing you know uh terrence and kelly one of the things about New Orleans post-Katrina has really been the emergence of this entertainment industry. Hollywood South, as they like to call it. We hear about all of the movies that are being shot here, but there really is a behind-the-scenes focus that is beginning to employ thousands of people doing soundstage work, doing all of the ancillary things that are that are needed. Talk to us about how that's blossoming here in the Crescent City. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a cottage industry because you've got gaming. You know, you've got tax credits for the film, but you also have um, computer, you know, uh, software development and the Broadway series. So, I mean, all of the support services that support those industries. You know, uh, our governor is talking about perhaps rolling back the tax credits. But if you go on Magazine Street or any of the merchants, any of the small entrepreneurs, they will tell you over 10 years or so that the tax credit has been in our city. They have been they have benefited from the you know it's not just the people on the crew or in front of the camera it's also the restaurants the merchants the real estate you know I mean every aspect of the city is really uh, benefiting from it. I just want to go back to you guys were talking about Cafe Reconcile before my father moved to Atlanta every Friday he and I would have lunch at the one on the West Bank and before they reno- they closed the one. Uh, downtown uh, and st- for renovations we every Friday we'd go and the, for these young people you know most of them were nervous it was their first times having jobs in the service industry but the service was so good and they were trying so hard to you know and, and that, that's that's why we kept going the food was good but mm-hmm. we just wanted to really support these young people so, so do they? Um, do you guys know if you know these these young people or the people who you know begin their career at the cafes? If they actually go on to work at other you know top end places, or is Cafe Reconcile kind of you know the? I mean, when people get a job here in the restaurant industry, they tend to stay with one particular company. Is that the same for Cafe Reconcile, or is that a springboard? 
Well, you know, Cafe Reconcile is very specific in its mission for, you know, young people from um, poor neighborhoods or disadvantaged backgrounds. And they, like you said, they may not be very confident. They may have not had a lot of interaction with, with people in a, in a customer service type industry. And they train them and develop them to give them those skills and give them that confidence so that they are, you know, they're phenomenal young people. And the food, you're right, Terrence, is awesome. Um, they're phenomenal. And they get, they get the confidence to be able to really have a lifelong career in the hospitality industry, which, as I said, is very much a, a profession in New Orleans. It's not something that people are just doing temporarily because they're trying to, you know, just pass the time. I mean, it really is a an honorable profession here and something that's taken very seriously. There are, if you go to some of the great restaurants in the city, like Galatoire's or Commander's Palace, mm-hmm. you will you will see professionals there who have been there for generations, for decades, and they make their living working in the restaurant industry or working as, um, you know, servers or bartenders or uh, musicians, artists. I mean, it's, it's very much of a, a way of life down here. You know, Kelly, as, as we talk about connecting with this New Orleans DNA, whether it's large entities like the NFL and, and the Super Bowl and actually Having, having the city as the backdrop for a week for that or, or these movie productions and television productions, tapping into New Orleans is so important, and it really doesn't matter what side of the city they show. They just want to be part of it because there's something transformational about it. Even if it's the gritty stuff and it's the tough stuff about New Orleans, it, it's not keeping people away because 9 million people are coming here, and they could care less what... Geraldo Rivera or a Bill Riley thing. I wasn't going to mention their names, Derek. Well, <laughs> well, you know, New Orleans. This is the internet world. Everyone. I mean, any uh, any of the bad press that New Orleans has received over the years since Katrina, I can tell you that for every negative story, there are thousands of good stories. And, you know, our city, though, has been under a microscope. So since the hurricane, things that happen here, which happen in every city in America, whether it's crime or or poverty or any other tough issues that happen everywhere, you know, the difference is that New Orleans is the subject of conversation because we're New Orleans and we're very much under a microscope since Katrina. But I'll tell you, the good news is that, you know, if people really look at what's going on here and they come here mm-hmm. and they see the businesses, they see the cranes in the sky, they see neighborhoods like the Lower Ninth Ward and, and St. Bernard Parish, where I'm from, you know, building up these amazing environmentally friendly solar powered homes that are some of the best in the country. Indeed. You look at young people who are coming to build their businesses here. Look at people like Terrence and all the amazing work mm-hmm. he's doing for, for our young people, people like James Carville and Mary Madeline, who are just the most wonderful ambassadors for New Orleans, and they absolutely love it here so much so that they relocated their family and their girls here mm-hmm. to, to be residents of the city. Um, groups like the NFL, um, just the, the sporting events that we have hosted. You know, you, you can imagine how much diligence the NFL does about a city before they choose to have a Super Bowl there. And let me tell you, they are not going to come into a city that is at all substandard. So for them to come here, we're going to host WrestleMania next year. (laughs) We're hosting the NBA All-Star Game next year. We have had so many major sporting events, and, and which has really put our city in the international spotlight in a very positive way. And I think anyone you talk to that's been here for these big events has come to Mardi Gras, come to French Quarter Fest, 
they're going to tell you New Orleans is a great city, and mm-hmm. there's a lot more good news than bad. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I, I agree. I, just, I don't think there's anything to add. <laughs> <laughs> I know, uh, Terrence, you're also a musician, too. Talk about, talk about your music, because we really didn't get a chance to explore that with you before. Ab- absolutely. And I, I kind of retired when I moved to L.A. in 2000 when I was uh, I'm a percussionist drummer funny because people still ask me man you, do you miss it and I mean it got to a point where I'd be on set until eight in, at, in the evening and then I'd go do a gig and then after you, you you get breakfast and bring people home and I'm a drummer so I gotta carry all that stuff oh. and, and and I get home like three four o'clock in the morning I have to be back up six thirty seven o'clock in the morning so um but I mean the music you know it's, it's just it's all around us I live in Treme and um it's not uncommon at least once a week to uh, have on my balcony to catch a, a, a second line parade or uh, Mardi Gras Indian practice uh, uh, the school bands you know I got like a couple of uh, schools around my house during parade season they're marching so I, I you know I just love it and uh, I, I think I leave that to the people that really their heart is in I, I love music uh, it's just the timing thing and I, I don't want to cheat it I don't want to you know because I'm an actor and I get opportunities to do stuff yeah but, uh, but music is uh, part of your your DNA and, yes. and what I forgot to mention to Kelly as well is that didn't you told us that I think one of your uncles was the Mardi Gras Indian chief is that true yes Clarence Delcourt oh wow I didn't yes. know that yes yeah. absolutely <laughs> well you know speaking of Treme the show Treme it's just been so phenomenal for New Orleans and it's funny because we would have visitors call us, you know, from Iowa and places all over the country, and they'd say, we want to go to Treme. (laughs) And we're like, no, it's Treme. But they they knew of it because of the show, and what a phenomenal showcase of our musicians and our artists and our culture that it was. So we we loved having that show on the air, and Mm -hmm. and everyone at HBO and, and all the talent, like Terrence, I mean, they were just... They did it right. I mean, people in New Orleans know that it was very authentic. There was not anything that was exaggerated or fake about our culture. It was so well done and was such a love letter to the city. We, we absolutely love Treme. Oh. Absolutely. I, I like to add that Treme has actually helped a lot of writers, screenwriters, because when you're trying to write about this intricate tapestry that we have in uh, Louisiana, New Orleans in particular, it's, you know, we, I think if, we've, if you look at all the movies that's ever been made about New Orleans or Louisiana, they've maybe captured 0.5% mm-hmm. of what's really here. So Treme has kind of lessened the gap of what it is, what's so special about this place. It's you guys. <laughs> Thank you. You guys make it special. When, when we return, we'll be talking to uh, Bradley Sumrall, the chief curator at the Ogden Museum of Southern Art, home to the world's largest collection, next as World Footprints continues. Discover a country rich in history, culture, and wonder in the throes of monumental change. China. World Footprints is pleased to announce our newest discovery tour, Footprints in China. From November 2nd to the 15th, we will take guests on a magical exploration that fuses history with the contemporary. Walk in the footsteps of emperors in the Forbidden City. Hike a spectacular section of the Great Wall. Experience architecture with a feng shui master and stand face-to-face with thousands of 
terracotta soldiers with the leading archaeologists. Footprints in China was handcrafted by World Footprints to introduce you to the best that China has to offer. A portion of the proceeds from this tour will help support the efforts of the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Visit worldfootprints.com or call 800-556-7896 for more information. Book before May 1st and save $250. Call 800-556-7896 today. The best, wow! Thank you. I'm honest. Well, you know, you, we, I just thought that Emma wasn't available, so you called me over here. That's funny. Oh, <laughs> oh she was yeah. booked up. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I'll take you seconds any day. You know oh. what I'm saying? Well, man, how y'all been? Good. Oh, we're great. Good. We're, are y'all enjoying yourself? We, we are, are loving a great it. Time. And uh, you folks know how to take care of folks. Yeah, I'm you know, you haven't seen anything yet because I ordered some special weather for you. You're listening to World Footprints, exclusive coverage of this year's French Quarter Festival, live from the Big Easy, New Orleans, Louisiana. Let's welcome back your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. And welcome back, everyone. Uh, Ian Fitzpatrick, along with Tanya Fitzpatrick, here coming to you from Tableau for the... 30th anniversary of the French Quarter Festival, and dears, we kind of get ready to tee things up here. We're waiting for our uh, next guest to get in place. This trip to New Orleans for us has really been special in a sense that this is the sixth time that we have done this together, and every time we've had a different experience, a different feeling, and yesterday was certainly one of those things as we traveled out to uh, Homeless house. I, I, I know, and I, I was telling somebody the other day when I'm 90, you know, God willing, I make it that long, but when I'm 90 years old, still doing this show, we'll have new things to talk about. I mean, it just never ends. There's so much that, you know, a four day weekend just will never cover. Um, but uh, thank you so much, everybody. Welcome back to, uh, to World Footprints. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick, and I want to introduce our next guest, the Ogden Museum of Southern Art. Uh, with the University of New Orleans is home to the largest and most com- comprehensive collection of Southern art in the world. Um, it includes the Center for Southern Craft and Design, and here you'll find the story of the South, the old as well as the new, as told through its art, music, and education programs. And uh, Bradley Sumrall is the chief curator of the Ogden Museum, and we're pleased to welcome him to World Footprints. Bradley, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So, you know... As because we discover something new every year after all of these years of coming here, the last, you know, for me, nine years, but six years with the show, this is our first time ever exploring uh, the Ogden Museum of Art. Is this museum one of New Orleans' best-kept secrets? Uh, we're trying to change that, of course. <laughs> uh, we opened our doors to the public in 2003, uh, so we're a relatively new museum. Um, but we are located in downtown New Orleans on Camp Street, right across the street from uh, the uh, National World War II Museum. Mm. And, uh, you know, our collection um, ranges from the mid-18th century to contemporary artists working today in the South. What, what distinguishes, or what are the distinguishing features of uh, Southern art? Look at you! Uh, oh, look at- 
our mission uh, at the Ogden Museum is to uh, represent the whole story of the South. So Southern art can be as varied as its people, of course. Um, but we, we um, look at artists that are working in or uh, working about the 15 southern states in the United States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you said you tell the story of the South. Through through your art, how do you how do you accomplish it? I'm trying to get a visual of how that happens. Uh, well, you know the the museum's permanent collection, uh, located on the third floor, uh, right now has a beautiful regionalist gallery, uh, historic landscape galleries, and historic portraiture galleries that are up at the moment, and that shows our history. And that moving into contemporary work today. Um, you get a broad view of what the South, uh, how the South has changed over the years. Mm. Now, Bradley, one of the exhibits that you, you recently curated were the costumes of this series, HBO Tremé, and we're happy to have here, holding over, is Terrence Rosemore from that series. And uh, give us a sense about that and uh, uh, what really led to displaying these costumes from this acclaimed show. Well, when I first met uh, the costume designer, Alonzo Wilson, and he took me to um, the warehouse and showed me the, the, the work that he had done, uh, I was impressed by um, not only the quality of the craftsmanship, but the uh, adherence to uh, authenticity that everything, everyone on Treme seemed to strive for, uh, from the writers uh, all the way to the costume designer. And Alonzo's work on those costumes uh, incorporated a narrative uh, the development of the characters of the Mardi Gras Indians uh, that I, des- I, th- I thought deserved uh, more than just television presence. It needed a, a museum presence so where people could really get up close and, and uh, involve themselves in the narratives displayed on these costumes. Terrence, did you know your costumes were on uh, display at the Ogden? No, I didn't, but I have an interesting sidebar. One of my protégés, a gentleman who's a drummer, Walter Harris, who's a Mardi Gras Indian, I gave him his first job in the movie industry as a stand-in to Clarence Williams from the Mod Squad. Okay. And so one day I go into Treme for a wardrobe fitting, and he's sitting there sewing one of the Mardi Gras Indian uh, outfits, and he had been working for months, you know. So that's kind of show you what, you know, when you when you plant seeds, how they sprout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many costume changes did you go through, just cur- out of curiosity, in, you know in, a, in a show? Um, one. I was, I was always in my white shirt <laughs> and in the chief shirt, and then, and I think one episode uh, at I think at Arnold's, I had a suit on. But uh, all the ten episodes that I was nine of the ten, I was in the chief's uh, traditional white shirt. <laughs> Bradley, as as we focus on the museum, it is a museum that's focused on the contiguous states, the fifteen contiguous states, as I understand in the southern United States, plus the District of Columbia. What is special about that region in terms of the art? We know when we come to New Orleans, we see a lot of color in the art. But the other parts from from Appalachia to the Gulf are are vastly different. How do you tell the story of the South with with such a diverse tapestry to begin with? That's the question that we're trying to answer every day at the museum, I believe. Um, One thing about Southern people, I believe, is they're natural raconteurs, they're storytellers. And that uh, does show itself in the art. Um, And we talk a lot at the Ogden Museum about a sense of place. And that comes through in every artist's artwork, I believe, the sense of, of who they are and where they are and how where they are um, develop the, you know, their personalities and their styles. 
Bradley, I'm, I'm curious. You know, this this city um, is certainly a um, uh, offers a springboard to new uh, talent in the entertainment industry. But I'm w- wondering about emerging artists and how the Ogden Museum um, may support emerging artists um, in uh, in the city because this city seems to be just flourishing um, with new artists every single day. That's true. Uh, the the role of a museum in the community is not always to break new artists, of course, but to showcase the very best. But we have. Um, for example, in August of every year, our, our young support group, the Colmeyer Circle, presents a technologically driven exhibition of young artists, mm-hmm. uh, mostly from this region generally, uh, but we have branched out uh, into other parts of the South. Um, last uh, year before last, we had a beautiful exhibition called Technological Terrarium that showcased a lot of uh, technological kind of steampunk aesthetic younger artists uh, here in New Orleans and that's always very exciting when, when a younger artist uh, gets to see their work on a museum on the museum's walls also our education department we have a, uh, a gallery dedicated to um, student work uh, from the uh, public and private schools in Orleans and Jefferson Parish mm-hmm. uh, so that is very exciting to have the kids come into the museum see the uh, masterful works on the wall then create projects and get to see their own works on the wall so uh, we're not only um, uh, you know showing established artists but we're developing young artists every day at the Ogden you know, and it's interesting that you bring up young people and art, and this seems to be one of the continuing themes as we've spoken to you, to Kelly, to Terrence, is that a lot of the nonprofit organizations are really tapping in to young people and really saying, hey, you're part of the turnaround story for New Orleans. I just find that interesting that all of you guys, and I, it, it seems like... Is, is this part of the master plan for rebuilding New Orleans? Because I just find it interesting that young people are at the forefront of so many of the things that you're doing. It's true, but uh, we, try to, we try to involve everyone, young and old, at the Ogden Museum. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the um, exhibitions that we've had over the past 10 years showcase artists who have been forgotten, also the older artists that have, were forgotten because they were here in the South, because they did not leave... Um, uh, Alabama or, or Georgia and go to New York uh, and this gives us, an, we have a platform where we can showcase this work and say there was great art being created here and of course there is still great art being created and New Orleans being kind of the Paris of the South uh, there's always been incredible art created here and it mm-hmm. continues one of the things that always stands out for me when I come here and walk along the streets, you know, the artwork that I see, and even with uh, this year's and every single year that we've been here for French Quarter Festival, the, the, the posters, there's so much use of color. Is that just kind of, is that New Orleans' signature, you know, just the use of these vibrant colors? Well, you know, a lot of people call us the northernmost tip of the Caribbean, and you'll see a lot of those same colors that you see in the Caribbean mm-hmm. uh, repeated here in New Orleans. Now, Bradley, you know, there's another thing that you guys are doing that sounds really cool to me, and unfortunately we missed it this year, but on Thursday nights you host something called After Hours Performances. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That's a wonderful program. You know, we um, every Thursday night between 6 and 8 p.m., we have live performances in the atrium of the Ogden Museum. It's free to members um, and $10 to the general public, but we... um, um, the, the format is wonderful because there's uh, one set and then there's a, an interview with the artist. Mm. Uh, so there's a moderator and the artist gets to tell their story and then there's a final set. Now, Bradley, in terms of some of the programs and some of the artists that you're featuring, 
What's what's coming up on the horizon in terms of some of the things that you can perhaps tell us about that people who might be coming to New Orleans in the next few weeks and months can see? Well, this uh, Thursday night we open uh, three exhibitions that are focused primarily on the 30s and 40s uh, in the American South. Uh, William's Hol- William Hollingsworth, who was a, a regionalist painter from Jackson, Mississippi, who died young but had a massive body of work. Uh, we have a, a retrospective that was organized by the Mississippi Museum of Art opening at the Ogden. Then uh, Eudora Welty, who many people know as a, as a writer and certainly one of my favorite writers from the South, uh, was also a wonderful photographer, and we're showcasing her work from the 30s and 40s, some of which she printed herself, um, mostly in the South, mostly in Mississippi. She was a um, publicity agent for the Works Project Progress Administration, and she took her medium format camera everywhere she went. Uh, there will be some um, photographs of New York City and New Orleans included in this exhibition as well. And uh, then Walter Anderson, uh, who is, we always have a gallery dedicated to his work, uh, a Mississippi artist from the Gulf Coast, naturalist, and a, and a, a, a great watercolorist. Uh, we'll have an exhibition of um, works from, his, from our permanent collection of Walter Anderson opening that night. And then on April 25th, we're having a massive exhibition uh, curated from the House of Blues collection of self-taught outsider and visionary art. Uh-huh. There'll be over 200 works uh, from that collection opening on the 25th, and that's the night before Jazz Fest. So mm-hmm. We hope there's a lot of crossover there. Um, but it really tells a story of... It's, this is vernacular art, just like uh, the blues and gospel and jazz were of, of, um, of vernacular music developed here in the South. And I think you'll see a lot of similarities between the art... Uh, it's the same people making the art as made the music. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really excited about that exhibition. It should be a great night. And One Accord Gospel Choir will be playing that night during the opening. That sounds lovely. So I'm just curious, Bradley, we've been talking about your job as a a curator. What actually goes into the mechanics of curating? Do you actually decide to open an exhibition based on something that you're inspired by or a new store? I mean, what, what goes into the exercise of curating? We look for quality and we look to relevance for our mission. Um, you know, it has to forward our mission of telling the story of the South. Mm-hmm. And then there's the uh, years of research and preparation and uh, delving into the work and really getting a handle on it before final choices are made. Do, do you have a favorite exhibition that you've curated over the years? Because I know you've written a couple of books that correlate to some of the exhibitions that uh, you've held at well, There's at a few that pop out in my mind, but most recently... Um, I curated a, a retrospective of a mid-career retrospective of the work of Sharon Capriva, who is an um, artist from Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. and her work really moved me. Uh, coming from Texas, she went to Peru and saw the uh, Nazca mummies, uh, the Nazca burial grounds, and it informed her work for the rest of her life. And getting to know her, involving myself in the work. Um, I saw a spiritual journey uh, over 30 years, uh, not only an artistic journey, but a spiritual journey, and I think we represented that very well at the Ogden. Mm, now, Bradley, in the terms of, I guess, this school, this, this, this Southern School of Art, how was that notion developing as a result of the work that the Ogden is doing and identifying Southern artists from all over the region in terms of this really is 
one of these genres that's got legs to it that has a presence and has a certain style to it. Is is that something that's beginning to emerge as a result of what's been taking place here? Well, that's what we're hoping to do. Um, you know, I do believe that the story of Southern art uh, mirrors the story of American art. Um, it just has a sense of place that is set here in the South, is informed by our own experiences and geography and the people that live here. Well, you know, I, I'm glad that we uh, discovered you. I know Ogden is on a uh, group tour that we hope to bring to New Orleans oh, uh, in the, the next year, I hope. Certainly, Certainly by, yeah. by the yeah. time we come back here uh, again next year. Assuming we're invited back next year, Kelly. Uh, yes, you're always invited. <laughs> well, hey, who knows? Maybe by that time, Kelly, we will actually be living here. So, know. you I'm know, I'm a feeling the pressure. <laughs> When, once you get addicted to New Orleans, it's inevitable. You will be moving here. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. And, and you came from the Midwest, I think, too. No, didn't I came you? from Mississippi, so okay. it was a natural progression for me, of course. Okay. You know, I fell in love with the city and just couldn't leave. Yeah. I also wanted to mention for those people out there that can't make it to New Orleans, the Treme, well suited, the costumes of uh, Alonzo Wilson for HBO's Treme, is opening in the Cameron Museum of Art in Wilmington, North Carolina in May. Okay. Any any thoughts of it coming to D.C. or any other parts of the Northeast? We hope to keep this on the road for as long as possible. Uh, to Once it gets in the warehouses of HBO, who knows if it'll ever be seen again. So I want to keep <laughs> it moving. Uh, there's talk of maybe taking it to New Hampshire and New York and even Toronto. So we're working on all, all those details right now. And, I would and, love to take it to D.C. Oh, please do. Yeah, that's <laughs> our home. And, and how can people find out about it? Uh, go to the Cameron's website or the Ogden's website. Okay, which is ogdenmuseum.org. There you go. There you go. It's This has been a great first hour, everybody. Um, the uh, <laughs> We had a lot of uh, uh, new co-hosts today who were unsuspecting co-hosts from uh, Chad and Jerry to uh, Terrence. Thank you so much for, you, for staying with us. Uh, Kelly, you know, I mean, she's a permanent part of this the show, and, and Bradley... Uh, some uh, all with the Ogden Museum. Thank you uh, so much for, for joining us today. We look forward to sharing more of the Ogden Museum and all the other treasures, um, the, the best-kept secrets in New Orleans. We don't want to keep these things secret any longer. Indeed. And uh, as we kind of hit the reset button for what will be our number two of World Footprints as we continue from the French Quarter Festival, the 30th annual one, we're going to have that power couple that used to live in Washington, James Carville and Mary Matlin. Yeah, we're looking forward to uh, to having them uh, join us in, in the second hour. And, you know, you guys uh, stick and stay, go refill your go cup and uh, uh, head back and uh, reset for the second hour. And in the interim, you know, head to our website at worldfootprints.com for more of uh, today's news and information. And do sign up for our newsletter and uh, view our new discovery tours and we have one coming up to China um, just as we close you know, we're, we're just as close as your social network so thank you so much we'll see you after the break my father had prostate cancer my grandfather two great uncles died from it I wish I'd known about the family history but it just wasn't talked about my name's Lonnie I had my prostate removed in May of 1995 and I'm still here. So there is life after prostate cancer. I'm living proof. 
one thing I would want to share with any man that thinks that he may have prostate cancer is number one, get it checked. Secondly, you have time after the diagnosis. Read, learn, go talk with your doctor and make some decisions because knowledge is power. It cannot be understated, you know. Prostate cancer is the most common cancer among men in Michigan. If you've been diagnosed, talk with your health care provider about your options and visit prostatecancerdecision.org today. Sponsored by the Michigan Department of Community Health, the Michigan Cancer Consortium, and the Michigan Association of Broadcasters. World Footprints is pleased to introduce Footprints in China, our exclusive tour to the Middle Kingdom. Travel with us November 2nd to the 15th as we explore Beijing, Xi'an, Huilin, Shanghai, and Hong Kong. This trip is limited to 24 travelers. A portion of the proceeds from Footprints in China will support the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Book today and save $250. Call 800-556-7896 or visit worldfootprints.com for more information. We look forward to traveling with you. Call today, 800-556-7896. Don't have the time to give back to the community? No time to socialize or network? Then volunteer with One Brick. Volunteer only when it fits your schedule, and then join us for food, drinks, and great conversation afterwards. It's a great way to meet new people, have fun, and help the community. Join us at www.onebrick.org. That's www.onebrick.org. One Brick. Volunteering made easy. Are you planning a vacation, a business trip, or a honeymoon abroad? Want to enhance your trip and make a meaningful contribution to the places you visit? Packforapurpose.org can show you how. Before you travel, visit packforapurpose.org. It's easy to make a big impact. 